Hallelujah. But right now, we're here to hear from God. Isn't that right? Did y'all come to hear from the Lord this morning? Praise God. Would you like to stand with me? And let's get right into the Word of the Lord this morning. And uh, let me try to say something that I trust will help us and strengthen us in our walk with God. My, isn't this a wonderful place? Isn't Camp Meeting wonderful? Thank the Lord. Wonderful leaders, wonderful men of God, good pastors, good evangelists. My, I'm just enjoying myself. So happy to be a part of the work of God. Let me tell you in the outset today that uh, my message was probably a little different than it is and has been from or will be from the other days that I have been teaching. I have something on my heart, and uh, if you will give me a little time in the very beginning, I'm going to try to take my time, lay a little bit of a foundation here for this Bible study. I'm going to try to go a little slower and uh, try to say something to you that will help you and encourage you and help us to see exactly where we're at. Now, if you don't agree with every little thing I say, think about it for a few minutes. Think about it for a few days and uh, let it uh, go over in your mind and your heart and build on it, use it in the measure that you see fit. So I just wanted to give you a little forewarning up front that I'm going in a little bit different direction than I have the other days. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and then let's go back to Romans chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. And if you have your Bibles, why don't you read with me out loud today. We'll read in unison. And all of us will hear the word of the Lord. So read real good and loud with me. First of all, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Let's read. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Then in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25, let's read together. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. For I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And everybody said praise the Lord. Let's say praise the Lord again. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. In verses 23 and 25 of um, Romans chapter 7, Paul mentions a law that I want to teach to you or minister to you from today for the next little while. And uh, this is not a psychology class. This is a Bible class. 
And I'm going to teach today from the Bible. But the Bible does specifically talk about the law of the mind. And that is my subject for today, is the law of the mind. Now, first of all, let me establish something with you in relation to what the Bible calls the law or a law. There is a lot of mention in the Scripture about the law of God. There's a lot of mention about law all through the Word of God. Let me say something to you today. The word law does not always refer to the law of Moses. That's not what it's referring to. The law as uh, that we often think about is strictly some kind of a decree that is a commandment that you shall do something or you shall not do something. When we say law, we think about policemen. We think about stopping us from doing something. We think about restrictions. We think about control in our lives and all of that. And the word law does refer to that. It refers to the rules. It refers to the regulations. And that's as it should be. We understand that. And we think about that. And that, that's the first thing that comes to our mind when somebody says that they're going to talk about the law. But let me say this to you today, that the word law in the Scripture often means a principle rather than a regulation. It has to do with a operative principle in our life and that God has given to us. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Romans alone, there is mention of seven different kinds of laws. Now, first of all, the book of Romans, and this is strictly in the book of Romans. The book of Romans talks about the law of Moses. And how many of you know what the law of Moses is all about? Now, that is the regulative decrees of God that tells you what to do and what not to do that was given through Moses. Now, whenever you say the law of Moses, that doesn't mean that it originated with Moses. It originated with God. And God gave it to Moses, and Moses wrote it. And the Bible calls it the law of Moses. Actually, it is the law of ordinances and commandments that God gave to Moses, and He gave them to the people. Now, that's by way of explanation. The book of Romans also talks about the law of faith. Now, that's spoken of here uh, in some of the things that we're reading about today. The law of faith in the book of Romans 3 and 27 and other passages here talks about that law. Now, that doesn't mean that that is a uh, ordinance that you can do or you cannot do like you eat certain things or you don't eat certain things. When he calls it the law of faith, he's calling it the principle of faith. There is a principle of faith in the New Testament. That principle of faith that God has set in motion and has set in order is greater than the principle of gravity. It's greater than the principle of nature. If you can believe God for some things, you can supersede through faith the very decree that God 
has given to nature. Amen. It was the law of faith that rolled back the Jordan River. It was the law of faith that operated whenever things were difficult and they were hard in the lives of men and women. God has set in motion today the law of faith. You can believe God for things and God will give you great things in your life. Can you say amen? And then the third law that is mentioned in the book of Romans is the law of righteousness. Now again, there is a principle of righteousness. And then uh, <clears throat> the fourth thing that he talks about is the law of God. Now you say, well, what's, um, what's he saying here? When he says the law of God... That includes everything that is involved in this Bible. When you take it in its context, in the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 22, verse 25, and other places that the law of God is mentioned, what you actually have is the entire contextual truths of God's rules and ordinances and decrees along with the principles that God has set in motion. And so the law of God is all-inclusive of His entire program among mankind. And then the fifth law that he mentions in the book of Romans is the law of sin and death. Now, that's a principle that is in motion. I want you to keep that in mind. I don't want to spend a lot of time, time on these. Then the sixth law that he mentions is the law of the Spirit of life. Now, that's not just a rule. That's not a regulation. It's a principle of spirit and life. And that principle of spirit and life makes us free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Are you glad today that there's a power of spirit and life that is greater than the power of sin and death? Hallelujah be to God. I'm glad for that today. Amen. 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 And then, <clears throat> number seven is the law of the mind. And again, when we talk about the law of the mind, we are not talking about something that has to do with uh, a regulatory decree that uh, is thou shalt and thou shalt not. It is a principle. It is an order. It is something that God has set as a basic uh, force and element in our lives that we have to do with today. Now, the Bible tells us that there are seven good conditions of the mind and there are seven evil conditions of the mind. And I'm not going to teach on these today. Let me just throw them out to you. The seven good conditions of your mind can be this. You can have a pure mind. And I'm not going to give you Scripture. You can look them up. I have Scriptures here. If you doubt me, well, then you just come and I'll give you the Scriptures. But for the sake of time, let me hurry. There is a pure mind. There is a sober mind. There's a ready mind, a sound mind, really the spirit of a sound mind. There is an humble mind, a fervent mind, and a spiritual mind. Now, you can attain the high degree of having these good conditions in your mind. Now, remember, we're talking about the law of the mind. Then there are seven evil conditions of the mind. There's a carnal mind. There's a double mind. There's a blinded mind, a corrupt mind. Number five is a doubtful mind. The sixth one is a high mind. And the seventh is a reprobate mind. 
And God save us from having any of these evil conditions in our mind. But that devil that I talked to you about yesterday that tries to sift us as we wants to get inside of that mind of yours, that law, that principle that we're talking about today and corrupt the very controlling element of your life. He wants to get a hold of that. And if he can get in the seat of authority, if he can get in the citadel of control, then he's going to rule our entire lives. But thank God today there is a power of the spirit of life. Praise God. There is something that can get on the inside of us that is greater than he that is in the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Now, very briefly today, and again for the sake of time, very briefly, let me uh, show you something, not something that you don't already know. And I realize that everything that I'm saying here today and uh, have said is strictly in the, in the realm of what the Apostle Peter was trying to do. And that is to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. Now Paul tells us here in the book of Romans that there is a law that is present with him, uh, that is in him, and he finds that, that when he would do good, evil is present with him. And he said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now notice he talks about the inward man. But he said, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Now notice Paul is saying here, there is something in me that is warring against the principle of my mind or against the law of my mind. And bringing me, now follow me closely, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, he locates the sin principle, and he says that this law of sin is in my members. It's in the physical body. It's in the flesh. And he says that this something that wars against the law of my mind brings me into captivity to this law of sin which is in my members. And he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he goes on to say, now this may blow your mind a little bit, it's in the Bible. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord that with the mind, everybody say mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, uh, what he is saying here to us, in essence, is this, that your body is under the control and is subjected to that law of sin that is in your members. Now, that doesn't mean that the flesh has to rule your body or rule your life, rather. But it does mean that within every one of us today that there is what I call a sin principle. Let me say it this way. When you get the Holy Ghost, the flesh is not saved. The soul is saved. Amen. I've got a sanctified soul, a sanctified spirit, a regenerated soul inside of a physical, carnal, human body. Amen. Whenever you got the Holy Ghost, God did not take away one human desire that you was born with. Amen. Now, understand what I'm saying. 
I'm not, I'm not talking about a bunch of old habits you picked up. Yes, God did deliver you from cigarettes, but that's an acquired habit. God did deliver you from drink. That's an acquired habit. But there are some things in our nature that we receive from our father Adam that the Holy Ghost has never taken care of and it never will take care of it. It wasn't designed to do that. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said, I wait for the redemption of the body. Let me tell you what the resurrection is going to do. It's going to give you a new body to match the new soul that you've got. Hallelujah. And brother, when I get that new body, I've got a soul inside of a body that the body wants to do what the soul wants to do. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. You're talking about kick. I'm going to kick from now on. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I can kick around here a little bit, and after a few minutes, something says, Sit down. Slow down. And my soul says, Jump. Something's a jumping inside, but something over here says, Sit down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Something in your soul is saying, Go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church. But something in you saying, I can't sit no more. I've said all I can stand. That's not your soul talking to you. That's your old body talking to you. Amen. That's the principle that's within the members of this body. Amen. And Paul says, it is this flesh that serves the law of sin. Now, don't, don't anybody leave this building today, and I don't think you will when I get through and go out of here and say that Brother Kuhn taught us that all we have to do is love God with our brain and do anything we want to do with this body. Now, if you interpret that, you, you just, you're off on your interpretation. You know better than that. If you'll sit here in this class this week, you know good and well. I've talked about what we wear, how we dress, what we watch, where we go, and all of that. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's got to be something inside of that inward man that gets a hold of this outward man and says, you're not going to wear that. You're not going to dress like that. You're not going to go there. I'm going to bring this flesh into subjection to the Spirit of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the law of the mind that is in servitude to God. Amen. You got to get this thing on the inside of you. Amen. Now we talk a lot about our outside problems, and we've got them. But uh, and and please, you know, don't don't sit out there and judge me as being uh, lopsided over here for all internal holiness and nothing external. As I said, if you've listened to me teach, you know better than that. Amen. But I take what I'm saying in context. Our problem is on the inside, not on the outside. Amen. That's, that's, that's absolutely the case with every one of us. Is If we get things right on the inside, if you get this inner man under the control of the Spirit of God, if this principle of the mind can begin to operate right, and you can get your uh, thoughts, and you can get the decisive factors of your life situated like 
They ought to be situated. Then you're going to serve God and you're going to bring this flesh under control to the Spirit of Almighty God. But the first thing i got to do is I've got to convince you in your mind and in your spirit that this is right. And when I get you convinced, all of hell cannot stop you. You'll live right. You'll dress right. You'll serve God right. Because it's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's down on the inside. Praise God. God puts the Holy Ghost in our soul. I know this body is the temple. This is where the Holy Ghost lives. I'm going to tell you what, where the Holy Ghost lives is as mean as a junkyard dog. You say, oh, not me. I'm sanctified all over. You're silly. You're not either. Why was you a griping and a fussing and a raising Cain so much? Was that the Holy Ghost? No, that was your flesh. Your body is in servitude to that principle of sin. Say, I don't believe that. Read Romans chapter 7 and take a few minutes to study it and not pass over it. I'm trying to get down to the heart of our problems today. Down to the heart of really living for God. Amen. Praise God. I'm just going to I'm just going to talk like I feel today. We could, you know, and I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. I wish Brother Glass would preach that message on I don't frustrate the grace of God. He said everything I'm saying here a whole lot nicer than I can say it and a whole lot quicker than I'm going to try to say it and a whole lot more forceful. It's not the manual that makes you live, right? It's not the, it's not the rules in your church that make you live right. Praise God. It's not even what the pastor asks you to do and not to do. That's, that's doing it all the time. But you know what it is? It's that, it's that convinced attitude of your mind and of your heart that makes you act like you act, that makes you go where you go. If you didn't, if you wouldn't justify yourself, you wouldn't be doing all of that. But there's something inside of us today that is trying to control us, and it does control us. When you begin to study the law of the mind, you're going to find that this principle that I'm talking about is the gate of the soul. That's the reason that the Apostle Paul said that we are to be renewed in our minds. That's the reason that we are not conformed to the world, but we're transformed. is by the renewing of our mind. And your mind determines either confirmation to the world our transformation from the world. It's how, that's how strong it is. Paul said, I serve the law of God with my mind. Amen. There's something inside. And that's not just that gray matter up there, but it's the spirit. It's the heart. It's the very inwardness of us that says, I'm going to serve God with my mind. Amen. Your mind is the subjected control center that serves the law of God. Did you know that good treasure and evil treasure uh, comes through the mind? It is the port of entry into the heart. If you're going to bring good treasure out of the heart, it's got to enter into the mind to get into the heart. That's the reason some people never, never grow in God. They always got this big idea. One of these days I'm going to wake up spiritual. One of these days I'm going to go to church and I'm really going to have the victory. One of these days I'm going to be a good preacher and I'm going to know a lot about the Bible. No, you're not. You're not going to wake up spiritual someday. 
wake up with a new leaf turned over. You know how you're going to do it? Is get yourself by the nap of the neck and a break at a time and a day at a time and a prayer at a time and a discipline at a time and a dedication at a time. You're going to wind up saying, I'm a child of God. I love God. I serve God. I'm not going to stop, but you got to start digging. You got to start praying. You got to get some good treasure on the inside. And if you don't do it, the devil will furnish you plenty of evil treasure to put there. Amen. Amen. My, I have a bad problem getting sidetracked. You can already see that. So, uh, hold on. Amen. This is where thoughts are transformed into intentions. Now, there's a lot of difference in a thought and an intention. You say, well, what's the difference? I'll tell you what can tell you the difference is the Word. People ask me, what's the difference in the soul and spirit? I said, the Word of God discerns that and divides that. It's a close one. I can give you what I think. I think I understand, but I doubt I could make you understand. So I'm not going to try, see? I don't know where the, where the bone begins and, and the marrow starts, but God's Word knows. Now, there, there's a spiritual connotation to that. When it divides asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me just digress here a minute to tell you that if you'll hide the Word of God in your heart, and you'll get the Word of God down on the inside of you, you'll get it down into where the very seed of your soul, where life is produced at, and it will become the life-giving substance to you when you hide the Word of God in your heart. You know why? Because right here in this chest cavity is where all of your blood is made primarily. It's in the marrow of the bones of the chest and of the rib cage. That's the reason if they're going to do a bone marrow culture, they do it right in the center of your chest. You know where we need to put this word? We need to hide it in the very marrow of our soul. That it begins to produce a life-giving substance that flows throughout the entire system of our life and of our spiritual relationship with God. Amen. And so there is a vast difference in a thought, and I say vast, uh, it is really vast to one degree between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And God's Word discerns that. But it's in here that the thought transform, is transformed from a thought into an intention. And whenever it's more than a passing thought, and it becomes a desire of the heart, and it becomes a will of the mind, and it becomes an active desire to carry it out, then you have become a part or you have got yourself involved in the intention stages. And God help us today when you fall into that trap of intending to do wrong, you're on your way out with God. Amen. God save us from having any intentions except good intentions. Amen. 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 Praise God. It's in there that you crucify the flesh to the world. Amen. The law of the mind, that's where the seed of desire is at. Let me tell you something about desire. Desire is the currency of life. That's what you buy stuff with is desire. Either right or wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. Now think about what I'm saying. It is in the law of the mind, it's in the confines of what I'm saying today, that meditation lives, that self-talk goes on. This is where grudges originate. This is where imagination start and they're born. This is where memories live. 
This is the seat of the intellect, the will, and the thoughts. Oh, God, help us today. It is inside of us that we develop the carnal mind or we develop the spiritual mind. I'm trying to reach you today to become spiritually minded, to give yourself to God and say, Oh, God, I want you to control the citadel of my life so that everything that I am, everything that I possess can be given to the work of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we fail to do that, we're going to be in trouble. Now, stay with me just a few minutes more before I really get down to what I want to say. There are two essential facts about your mind. And again, I'm not teaching a lesson psychology. These are out of my own heart. and re- There are two essential facts that I think we need to remember about our mind. First of all, our mind is a factory. Think of your mind as a factory. It is constantly generating and producing thoughts and ideas and impulses and opinions at an unbelievable rate of speed. While I'm talking to you right now, your mind is generating thoughts. Some of you are generating thinking about something to eat, thinking about when we're going to stop, thinking about when it's over, thinking about going to the house, thinking about next year, on and on and on. It goes. And, and that mind that serves as a factory, it generates thoughts in two different areas. First of all is the good thoughts. Your mind has the capability of producing noble ideas. Every strong, worthwhile invention come out of the good idea of somebody's mind. But that same mind that can produce good thoughts can produce evil thoughts. Amen. They can be injected into your mind and very subtly it can begin to build and the intentions can become there. And then you have the choice to retain them or to eject them. Let me hurry on to tell you that the second fact about your mind is this, that your mind is a warehouse. Amen. It It holds some things. What you see, what you hear, names, the voice of God, the Spirit of God, dreams, experiences, even what you think sometime is stored in your mind. Joys, sorrows, happiness, all of the things. I could go on and on. Your mind is constantly in a filing process, warehousing the things that comes into it. And you know this great warehouse of our mind. While it's generating thoughts, it's storing information. While it's making some things, it's storing some things. And under the storehouse area of your mind, every one of them is labeled memories. And in your, in your mind tonight, or today, there is the conscious memory that is right there. You see, we have to depend on that to walk. We have to depend on that to talk. We have to depend on that to know how to go to the house, how to drive the car. That's the conscious memory. I remember something. And, and without any effort, without any push, without any shove, we remember to do all of that. We remember to breathe. We remember to do this. And we remember to do that. You say, Brother Coon, that's absolutely foolish. I was in the emergency room with a baby a few months ago. In fact, um, two or three times I've been called with uh, babies uh, that would be brought to the emergency room from our church. And, and in the instances that I'm recalling, they got into their grandpa's high blood pressure medicine. Now, that's probably the reason grandpa had high blood pressures because of them to start with. But um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But anyway, I remember standing there and, and uh, all of a sudden the babies would just slump over. And, and the doctor said, uh, beat him on the back, Reverend, beat him on the back, shake him. 
My, we, I've stood there right in the emergency room and shake babies and, and uh, these little kids and shake them and they'd pat them on the back and they'd set them up and they'd just fall over asleep. And they'd just fall over and they'd quit breathing. I asked the doctor, I said, what in the world causes that? And he said, there is something in high blood pressure medicine that is so strong for these kids until when they take it, it affects their brain and it makes them forget to breathe. I said, do you mean that that is how strong your brain is? He said, absolutely. He said, it's not going to kill them if we, can, if we can somehow keep them awake and keep them breathing. But they forget to breathe. Now, that's the conscious memory of your mind that says breathe, that says walk, that says talk, that says drive. If you're going to go forward, put your car in drive. If you're going to go backwards, put it in reverse. You say, that's juvenile. Hold on a minute. I, I was uh, in a meeting several months ago, a year or two ago, in the state of Indiana. One of the preachers of that district got up to preach. I sat there and wept throughout most of his sermon as he preached an eloquent message. It hadn't been but just a few months previous to that. I'd called him on the phone, and he was in the hospital, and he was dying. He had uh, cancer of the bone. He had developed some other problems and uh, complications. Talk with his family. He said a few words to me, and you could just sense the very feeling of death in his system. But a few months later, here I am standing, talking or listening to him talk as he preaches. And he gave his testimony that day of how God had healed his body. But this, this good pastor of ours, Brother Bob Fleetwood, he got to the place that he could not swallow. Something that affected his brain. I forget what zone it was, the doctor said, in his brain. And he could not eat because his brain would not tell him to swallow. And there he was. God had healed him of that cancer. And he was preaching. He could not remember things. But now he's a man of God standing in the pulpit. That's the conscious memory I'm talking to you about. And then there's the subconscious. That that's somewhere stored in your mind. That it takes an activator to bring it to the front. It takes a voice. It takes a smell. It takes a sound. It takes a scene. And then all of a sudden it comes rushing out. And you begin to think of it. Yesterday... After the service, I was lying across the bed for just a few minutes and uh, thinking about the service, just lying there and uh, sort of in a semi-conscious state of sleep and trying to get a little rest. <clears throat> All of a sudden, I found myself on a little lot right, right at the edge of Gina. There's nothing on the lot now, but a few months ago, there was a trailer there. My mother lived in it. Now remember, I'm lying on a bed in a cabin on the campground 40 miles away. Not thinking, not planning. All of a sudden, I found myself walking in the door of a little trailer house. Opened the door. I went inside. There was my mother. She's dead now. I could see her just as plain. And she said, son, you want me to make you some coffee? I said, yes. Now, this is, this is while I'm trying to go to sleep. I sat down in an old tweed recliner, and I leaned back. In a minute, she did what she's done for years. She said, Crawford, here's your coffee. And if it's too strong, son, I'll put some water in it. And all of a sudden, it was gone. That's in the subconscious memory of my mind. I, and when I woke up, I tried to go through that again. But it wouldn't work. It wasn't real. I couldn't see her face. I couldn't hear her voice. But a few minutes ago, it was there. Now, this is not my message today. Let me tell you something. There is some things going on in your life, 
And in this meeting today, that's going to make heaven, heaven to you, or it's going to make hell, hell to you. Now, you say, I don't believe that, Brother Coon. Wait just a minute. What did, what did the rich man, what was the message to him? Son, remember your lifetime. You know what's going to make hell bad? Is that memory of what you could have done for God. You know what's going to make heaven heaven? Is when that warehouse unfolds. And all of a sudden, everything you've done for God is going to be repaid. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, help us to build good memories. Help us to build good things in our life and have things in our heart that's right and good. Amen. 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 I'm talking about the law of the mind today. Now, let me, let me get us back over here on the campground, okay? Let, let me get us, let me get us down here where we walk in. You know, and this is no criticism. I like it. But I like it in, in, in the proper doses. I, I've heard so much preaching about where I ought to be and how long my wings ought to be and how spiritual I ought to be and how powerful I ought to be. And I, I, and I'm, I'm always standing on my tiptoes with my chin stuck out trying to get there, and I can't ever get there. You know, if you quote this three times and do this seven times and say this four times, you'll be there. It never has worked for me. I find I'm walking in the flesh. I find I have problems. I have difficulties. My kids fuss over the cereal box. <laughs> Amen. Preacher's babies wet their diapers. They throw up on their necktie. <clears throat> Amen. I live in a real world. My car tears up. My, 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 my tires go flat. I get discouraged. Oh, hallelujah. Something wrong with you then. <clears throat> Something wrong with all of us then. Oh, you won't admit it, but you do. You try to make me believe different, but don't, I won't believe that. Amen. We all doing fine. Everybody's doing good. Somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Coon, what do you tell people when you're sick, you don't feel good, and they ask you how you're doing, what do you tell them? <clears throat> well, the old pat answer, tell them I'm doing well. Well, I ain't doing well. I said, yes, you are. The Bible said, he that believeth in one God doeth well. So I'm doing well all the time. Amen. How many of y'all doing well? Praise God. Now, just because I don't tell you every little problem I've got doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Doesn't mean that we don't have, we, we don't have difficulties. We're walking in the flesh, but we're not warring after the flesh. Thank God we have got some weapons of our warfare today. And uh, we have got to somehow get this thing right on the inside if we're going to please God like God wants us to please Him. Amen. Now, the flesh... It's never going to be saved. If you listen to what the devil puts in your mind about what the flesh ought to do, you'll be lost before it's over with. Amen. But there's got to be a constant battle that's going on all the time. There's a battle. Amen. The devil says, do this. The Holy Ghost says, don't do that. The devil says, why don't you think about this? Why don't you think about that? And you say, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. Have you ever noticed that in the Old Testament, God said that you're to love Him with your heart, with your soul and with your strength. And then have you ever noticed in the New Testament 
that he adds the word mind to that. Your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. Everybody say mind again. Now, why is he saying that? Paul said, with my mind, I serve the law of God. Amen. That's the reason we need to have on the helmet of salvation. Praise God. It's because the devil is attacking our minds in 1988. Hallelujah. You know, you're, just, you're not walking around with a halo over your head. Speaking in tongues at the drop of your hat every time. Now, I'm not, I'm not negating all of that. I'm just simply saying there's a devil that's got access to your mind. And that's where some people get all balled up is whenever they begin to think thoughts that are not holy and that are not right, the devil says, you're backslid. You know, he's a cunningest, lionist, thinking it's good for nothing you could ever imagine. Amen. He'll, he'll put something bad in your mind and then tell you you're bad because you thought it. And you didn't want to think it. He put it there to start with. It's almost a double jeopardy we've got with him. He just, you know, he, he, he knows how to generate that. And, and hear me today, saints of God and friend of mine. The devil knows how to put things in your mind. Amen. Now, I don't believe that the devil can control your mind. I don't believe that the devil can possess the saint of God. I went to, I went to see a couple one time. <clears throat> they was in a big fuss. The man was in the church and the woman wasn't. And, uh, so I hadn't got in the door good and he started telling me about this lady. Same one that stuck her tongue out at the other, at the lady I was telling you about yesterday. Can you imagine what she did to him? If she did that in church. Now I'm in the house and, uh, I hadn't got inside good and, and, uh, they called me over there and, and I was, I was over regulating. That, that used to be one of my specialties. <clears throat> and, uh, one of my strong points, really, knowing how to settle them fusses. I don't fool with them anymore. Hallelujah. And, uh, so I got there and hadn't got inside the house good. And he said, Brother Coon, I want you to do something while you're here. I said, what's that? He said, I want you to cast the devil out of that woman. I said, well, she doesn't have a devil in her. Oh, yes, she does. I live with her. I know. Well, I don't believe God's people is devil-possessed. Amen. I, I've been in a few services that, uh, you know, there's a little devil casting out going on. And, and the preacher would say, you better get a hold of God. If, if that devil comes out of here, it's liable to jump on you. Scared the living liver out of me. I just knew I was going to leave their devil-possessed. I want to tell you something. I believe the weakest saint is stronger than the strongest devil. Hallelujah. Now, this is LaSalle Parish theology. Lady in LaSalle Parish told me, said, Have you ever noticed, Brother Coon? Now, we were just talking one day, and, and this just come out of the clear blue sky. She said, Have you ever noticed that dogs don't have fits like they used to? I said, Well, you know, you're just sitting there and somebody asks you a stupid question like that. Have you noticed that dogs don't have fits like they used to? Well, what do you say? Like I was telling somewhere not long ago, I was visiting somebody, and they said, one of the saints in the church, and they said, Brother Coon, said, you know there's been a lot of gravy stop in this country, hasn't it? Well, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I just spoke up for my part, and I said, yeah, it has. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there dumb. And the next thing he said was, but you know that's educational, isn't it? I said, well... Yes, it is. 
Nothing else, you learn how to sob, Brother Foster. <laughs> but she said, you ever noticed how, how dogs don't have fits like they used to? And I said, well, I didn't know if it, she was talking about giving them pills or veterinarians was better or what. She said, you know what causes that? I said, well, I hadn't thought of it. She said, uh, you preachers ain't casting out devils like you used to. Said, when you cast them devils out, said, them dogs has fits. Old soul, I'd seen her have a few too. So I didn't know what was wrong with her. Hallelujah. Now that's LaSalle Parish theology. That's not in the Bible, okay? Praise God. We got our own show going over there. <laughs> Amen. My God, it used to scare me to death. Somebody said, We're going to cast the devil out, and you better watch it. This devil's liable to get in you. You leave here devil-possessed. Well, now, if your pastor differs with me, well, God bless him and you too, but I don't believe that. I used to be scared of the devil, but I ain't scared of him no more. Well, the cold said, don't be scared of him. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, friend, hear me today. I'm not telling you to be weak in God, but I'm just simply telling you, I don't care how weak you are, you're stronger than the strongest devil today. Praise God. We can love him with all of our heart our soul, our mind, and our strength today. Praise God. I want to tell you this, and you hear me this morning. The devil does have access to your mind. Amen. He can't control your mind, and he cannot control your soul, but he has the innate ability to get in there and to put thoughts in there that shouldn't be in there. You say, oh, but I got the Holy Ghost, so I don't think anything but holy thoughts. <laughs> My Lord, I ain't going to tell y'all what I think. I'd be stupid if I did. I'll tell you one thing. If you'd have done what you've thought about doing, it'd be a lot of crumpled up rear ends and cars around this part of the country. Probably some on the campground. Hallelujah. Am I telling you the truth? Honk, honk, honk. Who is that up there in the front of me that won't move? One of them old gray-headed preachers, I guess. You know, you you won't say it. No, you, you've been talking in tongues and interpreted in church. You wouldn't say it for a million dollars. But all of a sudden, the thought goes through your mind. I feel like just giving it to gas and letting off of this clutch and ramming him hard as I can. My insurance wouldn't go up, I would. Now, is that a holy thought? You think God inspired that? Why, no, it's that stinking lying devil. But with the law of the mind, or with my mind, I'm going to serve God. You know what I do? I say, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. I'm not going to hit his bumper. I'm not going to push him out of the way. I'm going to be old, gray-headed, and slow like he is after a while. Bless him, Lord. <laughs> I hope you say that. Praise God. Hallelujah. I told somebody when I retired, first thing I was going to do is get in my car and get right in the middle of the road and drive 30 miles an hour. I'm going to pay everybody back. It's been slowing me down to go pray for all them gallbladder attacks. My Lord, everywhere I need to go, I get in a mess. 
I'm going to tell you what. Your silly old mind can make you think some things that's so horrible and so bad. If you'd have done what you've thought about doing sometimes, you may be in the penitentiary. You'd sure as the world go to hell. And you'd be in all kinds of trouble today. But thank God we ejected that. Thank God we got rid of that. Praise God. Oh, we need to realize what the devil's trying to do to us today and eject some things from our mind and get rid of some things. Listen, when the devil puts something in your mind, you've got the option to say, well, you know, that sounds pretty good. I believe I'll try that. Or you have the option to say, get out of here, devil. You say, well, Brother Coon, I don't want to sit there and talk to myself. You sit there and talk to yourself anyway. Why don't you talk positive to yourself? Why don't you talk scriptural to yourself? Why don't you talk holiness talk to yourself? Praise God. Why don't you just quit letting your mind be in any way that it wants to take you and say, I'm going to serve God with this citadel of power and of control. I'm going to live for God and serve Him and love Him with all of my mind. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I know this is, this is never happened to anybody else. But I'll, I'll tell you what. I may let y'all have the book that I read all this out of sometime or tell you who wrote it. Then you can learn that for yourself like I learned it. Read it all in a book. I was, I was going to visit somebody, I think, somebody in the hospital. Some of you preachers have heard me mention this. But let me tell you, saints and everybody else this. And if you think I'm bad, well... Glory, we all bad together then. <clears throat> I was driving along going to see somebody that was sick. Driving long speed limit. Having a good time, just meditating, thinking. Sitting in the car. My family was at home, sitting in there by myself. Just driving along, thinking, nothing bad. Just, just feeling fine. All of a sudden, a man got in the car with me. And he said something I didn't like. I smarted off at him. He smarted off at me. The minute I looked over at him, I said, Bless God, let me tell you something. I'm pastor of this church. And I'm going to run it like I want to. You know, I really got carried away. He smarted off something at me, and I smarted off something at him. We got in one of the worst fusses. Worse than two young ones. I mean, boy, we, we was batting it back and forth. In a few minutes... I kind of noticed what was going on. I was driving about 75 or 80. I had the steering wheel, and I had my teeth gritted, and I was giving it this, and I was telling him, and he was telling me. All of a sudden, my pool hands are just as sweaty as they could be. I'm telling you, I was in a bad fuss. I was nervous. I was upset. I was telling him. And all of a sudden, I just started laughing. I said, Crawford Coon, and I said this out loud. I said, Crawford Coon, you're absolutely crazy. Sitting up here fussing with somebody that's never said an ill word to you, never done you anything but good, but you're just a fussing with them. You say, well, why was you fussing with them? Same reason you fuss with folks in your brain. Hallelujah. 
Now, I might have missed on some things, but I didn't miss that. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm too holy for that. No, 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 no. Doesn't mean that you're backslid. Doesn't mean that you're not living for God. Now, you know what I could have done? I could have... You know what the devil was wanting to do? He was wanting to plant a seed of bitterness in my heart. And you know what I could have done, Brother Tenney? I could have went to church the next night, and I could have seen that guy. Now, if I'd have built on... Now, let, now let me show you something. If I would have built on that thought, I could have, I could have seen that guy sitting over there, and I said, there's that, there's that hypocrite that don't like me that jumped on me the other day. Bless God, the Lord just give me something for him. I studied and prayed all day, but the Lord just give me something new, just like that. You better watch them new things just like that. Am I right, Brother Glass? You've been around a while. Am I right or wrong? You better watch them. Amen. Praise God. You better watch them off of the minute inspiration. I just feel like calling Sister So-and-so and tell her what I think. I've been thinking it a long time. I believe today's the day to do it. You better go pray first. Amen. And let me show you what I could have done. I could have preached at him, and whenever church was over, I could have said, Yeah, you that, you that dude, you don't deserve a handshake from me. Bless you. And you know what? I could have got bitter and mad and hateful, and he would have begun to feel that bitterness. Now, people can feel your spirit. Amen. That old mean, hateful spirit, you can grin from ear to ear, but it sticks out all over you. Your attitude's showing, brother. Praise God. The best thing you can have is a good attitude. If you can't preach worth a lick, you can do it in a good attitude. If you can't sing worth a lick, you can do it in a good attitude. God, give us a right spirit. Amen. I could have gotten a bad spirit over nothing but a silly old fuss in my mind. That's what the devil wants to do to us. I'm trying to show you today how the grace of God can keep our minds and preserve our minds. It's with the law of the mind that we serve the law of God. We've got to get it right on the inside, brothers and sisters. We've got to get our spirit right. We've got to get our attitude right. We've got to get the spirit of holiness or it'll never do us any good. Amen. Amen. Listen, and hear me closely. And I believe in respecting the ministry. And I told this man the other day what I thought. I'm going to tell you something. If you told me that wearing whatever colors is in this tie, red and gray and something or whatever, if you said, Brother Coon, if you'd stop wearing that color, it'd bring a little peace to the family of God. It'd take a little situation out of the district or out of the church. That thing don't mean enough to me for me to keep on wearing it. I'd throw the thing away. Praise God. Don't mean nothing to me. I'd buy me another one and get a different color if it's going to bring peace. I believe in going the second mile to respect your pastor and to bring peace in the church and to set an example to the young people. Praise God. But friend, let me tell you something. If you're doing it just because the preacher said it and you're bitter against it, it's not going to do you any good. we got to get our mind adjusted and say, I love this. I love the work of God and I'm willing to do it for His sake. Praise God. The Lord will bless you then. The Lord will bless you then. Now, it's good to have personal convictions, but when your convictions contradict this Bible, you're wrong. 
There's a universal conviction, and it's this Bible. We've got to let our convictions match the convictions of this Bible. Am I right or wrong? For instance, ladies don't have to pray two seconds about whether to cut their hair or not. Whether to trim an inch or an ounce or whatever off or burn it off or pull it off or whatever. You don't have to pray about that. This Bible is very, very clear on that. Your conviction doesn't override the Scripture. My, my conviction doesn't override the Scripture. The only thing my personal conviction ought to do is strengthen the Scripture. Take it the second mile. Apply it to my life. Do something above the ordinary to please God. But oh, everything in this book has got to become our conviction. And you know something else? We've got to get it in our mind that I love the Word of God. I love the truth of God. I love to go to church. I want you to preach to me, Pastor. I want you to tell me what's right. I love it and I'm going to love God because it's in my mind. It's in my heart to do that. Praise God. Praise God. But if I get bitter because you tell me to get rid of my striped tie, I may go to hell over that stinking little old thing. It's the spirit, not the tie, that makes the difference. I don't know why some people want to hold on to some things that's right on the edge of reproach. And harm the church. And harm you converts. And defy your pastor. You know, when you start defying your pastor, you're already on the, on the very edge of rebellion and a bad spirit and all of that. I'm sorry, but, you know, we're coming down to close here. Coming down to the end of this thing. God, help us. I want to be right with God. I want to have a right spirit. I want to have a right attitude. Praise God. Our transformation is by the renewing of our mind. You can't present your body a living sacrifice till you're transformed in your mind, in your thinking, in your heart. Praise God. Repentance affects the mind. It's a change of the mind, a change of the attitude, a change of directions. Praise God. I, I can't do it, but I told you years ago when I played my trombone, and I ought to be playing it now maybe, but anyway, uh, they and I never did wind up in no marching band, but I remember we used to get out and they'd try to teach us how to march. I never was any good at it, but uh, they had a command. Just marching along in step. All of a sudden you go in yonder direction and, and the director says, about face. And you can put your foot back here behind your heel and you can do something like this and you can turn around if you know how and you don't miss a step. You just go in yonder way. Oh, praise God. One day we was following our fleshly carnal desires. One day we was wrong. But God said, about face. And we turned around. We had a change of mind. We had a change of direction. We had a change of spirit. And we said, I love it. I'm going to live for God because it's on the inside. Hallelujah. 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 You know, that's where our battles are fought within I, I've never mixed it up with anybody like this you know that's not my problem I don't have any problem doing this and doing that carrying a shotgun pocket knife and all that except to clean my fingernails with that's not my battle though we live in the flesh we don't war in the flesh 
Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. They're mighty through God for what? To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. You've got an imagination as big as a Missouri mule, whether you believe it or not. You can imagine more junk than you can haul off in a wheel bar in 24 hours' time. I imagine he don't like me. I got a feeling that, that they got something against me. I've got a feeling my church don't want me anymore. I've got a feeling my pastor don't love me anymore. You should have seen the way they looked at me. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Praise God. Silly little old imaginations. And they can stifle you. They can choke you. They can destroy you. I'm talking to you about what God said about the weapons of our warfare. is to cast down imaginations. Oh, that was my problem. I was imagining that somebody was going to say something bad to me. And I was saying it back. And I got in a bad spirit and nothing happened. How would I have acted if it would have really happened? That's what I wonder. Lord, don't let it happen. Praise God. I want to be kind and sweet. I'm, you say, well, you could work on it now, little brother. <laughs> I'm trying. I want to be nice. Oh, I just knew when I was a kid, my mama was going to hell. She'd go to church and talk in tongues and shout. She was a precious lady. I don't mean to just be referring to my mother. She was a precious lady. But boy, I'd do something and she'd get me. And she'd get a peach limb, and I'd just run in circles. And I learned the louder you hollered and the quicker you started, the quicker it'd get over with. Boy, she was just a whipping me, and I was a going in circles. And she said, if you run, you're going to get two. I never did run. I'm honest. I, I hadn't been holy, but I didn't run from my mama. And then she'd get through, and she'd give me a good shaking, and she'd get her hand under my chin. She'd say, son, I want to tell you something. I love you. And you know what I was saying? You a lying, you a lying, you a lying, you a lying. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you now, this ain't no confession service, but I'm confessing. Yes, sir. Oh, God help us. Our poor old minds can tell us all kinds of silly things that does not exist. That's the reason they had the law of jealousies in the Bible. If that old spirit of jealousy come over a man, whew, you get jealous of your wife or jealous of your husband. Say, oh, I got the Holy Ghost. That don't bother me. <laughs> it don't bother everybody, but it bothers some folks. My oh, Lord, how many, how many house calls have I made? And I think preachers almost ought to do like doctors, quit making house calls. <laughs> Forgive me for that, but I'm talking about these kind of house calls. How many have I made? I want to tell you what my husband's doing. He's running around with, 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 with some old woman. Well, you got any proof? No, but I just I got a feeling way down in here that it's going on. Have you seen them? No. Has anybody else seen them? No. You got any letters? No. Anybody called the house? No. Well, what do you build it on? What what's your basis? Well, I just I just got this feeling, you know, just somehow the Lord just let me see it. 
God didn't let you see that. You know what's wrong with you? It's a spirit of jealousy. Right? And, and you say, well, that can't happen to people. It happened to people or God wouldn't have put a law in the Scripture of how to handle it in the Old Testament. That they got jealous. And if they got jealous of their wife, they took the poor old gal out to the priest. And if she didn't confess anything, he said, all right, I'm going to get up, get some dust off of this tabernacle floor here. And we're going to put it in some water and make you drink it. And if you're guilty, you're going to have all kinds of things happen to you. But if she ain't guilty, but in a few months, you just come to church bringing a baby with you. That's the way it's going to happen. Because she will conceive and bear seed. Because you're wrong with your spirit of jealousy. Amen. You see, I'm trying to tell you something today that the devil can inject into your mind some things that never, never exist. When it comes into your mind, you need to stop and think, do I have any facts? Do I have any basis for this? Do I have anything to go on? Is it the Holy Ghost or is it me? Is it God or is it Crawford Coon? And if it's me, God help me to have the grace to eject it, to get rid of it, to say I refuse to live with it, I refuse to harbor it. You're not going to stay under this roof. You're not going to stay in this house. It's not the will of God. It's not right. I'm getting rid of it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God save us from the wrong spirit on the inside. And that's where it all begins. Let me tell you, you rise or fall from within. Amen. You know, whenever somebody falls, it's after a long, deliberated, weighed out, counseled in their mind, discussed in their mind situation. Amen. I remember a lady in Gina telling my wife, said, you knew my husband left me the other day, didn't you? She said, yeah, I knew he did. Knew he was living with someone else. Heard about that. She said, you know, the funny thing about it is he left and didn't say a word. Just up and left. Sister couldn't come home. She just telling me about it. And she said, you know, Crawford, that's strange, isn't it? She said, I've, I've known them people for a long time. And uh, you've known them and... And she told me that that guy just got up and walked out and didn't say a word. She said, that's, that's strange, isn't it? I said, no, it ain't strange. I said, they'd said some words before then. Just come time to leave that day. You know, that'd been a long fault battle. That didn't happen overnight. He didn't, everything wasn't sweet at the house, and he just come home and said, well, you know, it just occurred to me, I think I'll just get all my stuff here and leave. That wasn't the way it worked. It's that long, deliberate battle that goes on. And listen, friend, when you start battling something in your mind and in your spirit and your attitude, the best thing you can do is get old whoever you are by the nap of the neck and say, listen, buddy, that's not the will of God. That's not biblical. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to straighten you out. You say, well, how do you do it, Brother Coon? Do you plug into some kind of TV program or something and get your mind off of it? No, sir. You get down and start praying. And you say, God cleanse my mind. You get on a fast. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something. You fast at least three days or longer, and I promise you your mind will be altered. Am I right or wrong? Some of you folks that's been on some extended fast, am I right? My God, you wouldn't care if you didn't have nothing but a P-roll. You wouldn't give five cents for a mansion on a hilltop because you're in tune with God. 
Your mind's altered. The attitude's altered. Praise God. You get to fighting that old devil and imaginations and thoughts and intentions and desires of the flesh. The thing to do is bring that flesh under subjection to the will of God. And you can do it with fasting. You can do it with prayer. It will subdue that mind and bring it into captivity to the will of God. Praise God. Praise God. God, help us to realize these things today. Amen, amen, amen. I'll never forget years ago, after church one night, I stepped off of the platform. lady walked up to me. Fine saint. I'm not saying that facetiously. Fine saint. Never meant its trouble in all the years. Precious, precious lady. Good worker. She walked up to me and I could tell she was mad. She had red spots all on her neck and her face. Some people get that way when they get mad. Can't help it, but shows up. She walked up to me and she'd never done this before. Standing here by the platform. She walked up to me and shook her finger in my face and she said, I want to know what you got against me. I said, Well, I don't have anything against you. She said, don't you lie to me. I know good and well you do. I said, well, hold it just a minute. I said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, you don't, don't lie to me, Brother Coon. You do know what I'm talking about. And she had never done this before. I was shocked. I said, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Hold on just a minute. Explain to me what you, what you got in mind. What's going on? Oh, she said, you know what I'm talking about. Don't you stand there and play dumb. I said, really, I don't. She said, well, let me remind you then. Now, see, she's mad. And I'm in a state of shock. She said, let me remind you what, what I'm talking about. I said, tell it. She said, you remember when Brother So-and-so preached for us about six or seven months ago? I said, yeah. Remember it real well. Had a good revival. She said, well, I'll tell you what, what I'm referring to. She said, one night during the revival, you leaned over and told him something about me. And both of y'all looked right straight at me and laughed about what you told him. And she said, I want to know what you told him. I said, I didn't tell anybody anything about you. She said, don't you lie to me. I know good and well you did. I said, and this went on for a few minutes. And I said, no, I didn't. And and we, we discussed it back and forth. And, and she was calming down a little bit. And, and I was about to get uncalm. And uh, she calmed down a little bit. And she put her hands on her hips and she said, Brother Coon, are you telling me the truth? I said, yes, I am. I said, I've never told any evangelist anything about you in a service or out of a service and laughed at you. I don't have any reason to do that. You're one of the finest saints in this church. And she was. You're, you're precious. You and your husband are faithful. You, your children, your boy in this church. I don't have a thing in the world against you. She said, are you sure? I said, I'm absolutely 100% sure. She said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've been worried about that. I couldn't sleep. It's bothered me eating. And I'll tell you something else. I hadn't got one thing out of your preaching in the last six months. <laughs> I said, I don't imagine feeling that way about it. I wouldn't have got anything out of hers either if I'd have felt that way toward her. Amen. And she said, you mean you didn't say anything? I said, no. She said, well, what in the world... 
Do you reckon caused me to feel that way? He said, I just knew that you told him something about me and you looked my way and you laughed and I just knew something was going on. I said, would you let me tell you the truth and would you not be offended if I just told you what happened to you? And she said, no, I won't be offended. I said, the devil made you imagine that. Imagination. The devil made you think that. And it's aggravated you. Let me tell you something, friend. Imagined problems is just as tormenting as real problems. Amen. It's just as real. God save us from that spirit and from that attitude. We've got to erase any bitterness, any strife, any hatred, any ill will, any past problems. We've got to get it out of our spirit. We've got to get it out of our mind and say, I refuse to dwell on that. I'm going to be a child of God. Amen. Did you know that that's the reason that Joseph was so blessed and exalted of God? Was whenever... He was sold by his brethren. And you know the story, and I won't go into it. When he was down in Egypt, the firstborn son, you've heard this many, many times, but let me reinforce this message with it again today. The first son that was born was Manasseh. And Manasseh means that God has made me forget all of my toil and my father's house. I forgot that. It's all behind me. You say, Brother Coon, you mean God erased Joseph's mind and he forgot Jacob and those eleven brethren and he just couldn't even remember them anymore? No. I've, I imagine I've preached it. And I've said it. We hear it said, but let me explain what we mean when we say it. And that is, we hear so much, we need to forgive and to forget. Let me tell you something. You can't forget some things. You got a memory. God give you one. You can remember bad things that happened to you just like you can remember good things. You say, well, what in the name of God am I going to do with all of this stuff that's happened to me? And every one of you has stuff happen to you. You have things go wrong in your life. Every one of us do. Let me tell you what we mean by Joseph forgot all of his toil in his father's house and what we mean by forgiving and forgetting. That forgetting part is this. It may be in your memory, but when it does come to mind, you don't feel the bitterness of it that you felt at the first. You've got victory over it. You've got dominion over it. Another thing you do when you forget it is that you don't bring it up to hurt the person and cut the person down that you're supposed to forgive. Hallelujah. Trying to help us now. You say, what what do I do when I've really forgive somebody and we've put it under the blood and all of a sudden I'm lying there on the bed and that thing goes through my mind again. You know what to do with it? Start talking to yourself. Start telling the devil, devil, I put that under the blood a long time ago. It's forgiven. It's washed away. Don't bring it up. I'm not going to think on it. And then you take charge of your mind and you begin to dwell on something else. That's what it means to forgive and to forget and put it in the background. Amen. Amen. You're going to sit in churches with people that do you harm sometimes. You're going to sit in churches that people's kids pick on your kids. And the silliest thing you can do is grab them up and go to the house or change churches. Because when you get there, somebody else is going to pick on them. Praise God. Now, I'm just 
You know, I'm just talking to you out of my heart today. You're going to get wounded a little bit. You're going to get hurt. That goes along with development. That goes along with maturity. Praise God. God's going to check you out. You're not going to just get the Holy Ghost and jump up in a testimony meeting and say, Oh, I love God. I'm going to heaven. And all of a sudden you're going. No, sir. You're going to be subjected to trial. He's going to find out how much you love Him. You're going to walk through some valleys, over some mountains, through some difficulties. He's going to check your love out. He's not going to try to destroy you, but He will prune you up every once in a while. Praise God. And when that begins to happen, you, you sit on the same pews with people that may have harmed you. You put that thing under the blood. Don't let the devil drive a wedge between you and somebody else, between you and your pastor, between you and your husband or your wife or somebody else. Don't let the devil drive that wedge there. If there's a mistake, genuinely repent of it. Put it under the blood and say, we're going on for God. Hallelujah. And do everything you can to shut up about it. Now, I'm sorry to be so plain, but that's all I, the only way I know to say it. Just hush about it. Something comes up five years down the road and say, Yeah, I remember back in 1947 when you said that. Well, I ask you to forgive me. Yeah, I forgive you, but I ain't forgot it. And since this come up, I think I need to remind you. Hallelujah. Praise God. I ain't never liked your old mama. I don't care if you are her daughter. My mother-in-law just can't stand her. I'm not talking about mine. Praise God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Digging up the past. Digging up problems. Digging up situations. I remember what you did to me. I remember what you said to me. Oh, God, help us. You need, to, you need to remember this law of the mind, this principle of the mind. That's what you serve God with, is in that citadel of your thoughts and your opinions and your attitude and your spirit. That's the control tower of your life. And if you don't watch it, the devil wants to get in there and dominate that. And when he can dominate your thoughts, he dominates bitterness. He's going to put hatred in your heart. He's going to put jealousy in your heart. He's going to put strife in there. And he's going to drive you away from God. But God, give us some anassa today. God, give us something that makes us forget and makes us forgive and makes us rise above all of that. Praise God. And the next son was an Ephraim, which God hath made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Let me tell you something. God can make you fruitful if you've got a forgiving spirit. I don't believe Joseph would have ever had a Manasseh to start with, I don't believe there, especially there would have ever been an Ephraim if he had not laid some things aside and he had not forgotten. But thank God, our fruitfulness, our, our, our beneficialness to the kingdom of God, our, our opportunities to work for God is tied directly to our attitude and our spirit of being able to forgive, of being able to have the spirit of a sound mind, of a sober mind, of a pure mind, of a mind that stayed on God. That is all dependent upon that. And God give us that spirit today. Amen. Because if you don't watch it, the devil can put all kinds of silly ideas and opinions and thoughts in your mind. Several years ago, and I'm going to close shortly. Several years ago, we had a lady come in the church, and she had been married before. And uh, I'm not saying that in any reflective sense. I'm just trying to tell you a story here. She'd been married and 
This all happened while she was out in the world. Then a man come into the church, and uh, he uh, he got the Holy Ghost, and his circumstance was similar to uh, hers. And they wanted to get married, and, and they did get married. Someone performed a ceremony for them, and they was in the church and doing okay. She had some kids, he had some kids, and then they had a child. And that always can breed trouble and problems in a family. And they was good people, and they'd had a few little difficulties of adjustment and problems and situation with all the children involved, and I'd counsel with them and talk with them. And along the way, they'd threatened divorce a little bit, but nothing ever serious, and uh, always seemed to get it under control and back right, and them loving one another and loving God. Worked out fine. But one day, I got a telephone call, and the lady said, Brother Coon, Said, we're, I wanted to call you. Said, we're fixing to get a divorce. We're serious. Husband's here now, and we have both decided we want a divorce. <clears throat> he wants to leave, and I want him to leave. But before we do, said, we thought we ought to come over and explain to you and tell you what's going on. I said, well, I think you should. I want to help you if I can, but if I can't help you, I would like to know what you're splitting the blanket over. And so, a few minutes, they drove up to the house. They lived out on the edge of town, out sort of in a rural setting a few minutes the doorbell rang and went to the door and you could tell they was mad they'd been fussing all the way there they'd been fussing for hours they hadn't got in the door good and they started again and so I finally got them to the couch and they sat down I sat over looking at them we went on for about an hour and they was fussing and she was telling him I'm gonna I'm gonna buy from door to door salesmen that come to our house and he said, no, you not. I wouldn't live with the woman that bought from door-to-door salesman. And she, he said, I'm not putting up with it. She said, let me tell you something. I run my life before I found you. I can run it again. And you can leave. I want you to leave. I'm not putting up with that kind of domination. If when a traveling salesman comes by, and I want to buy from him, I'm going to buy from him. I don't care what you say. He said, I don't care what you say, woman, if I live with you. I am not putting up with it. And they fussed 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 and they quarreled and they bickered. And I'm telling you, it was something. After about an hour, of course, this is another one of my specialties. <laughs> After about an hour, old smart me, I got the picture. I said, uh-huh, I know what's going on. So I stopped him. I said, now, y'all just wait a minute. I said, I got the picture here. I said, the problem is, apparently, that this woman is a compulsive buyer and she buys from all of these door-to-door salesmen you all live out in the country she buys from all of these door-to-door salesmen and she's got such a bill run up till you can't pay it and uh and she just overspends and i said apparently that's you all's problem is that right she shook her head and looked at me just as startled and she said why brother coon said there's never been a door-to-door salesman to our house yet but if they ever do come, I'm going to buy from them. I said, hallelujah. I said, I think both of you is crazy. I wouldn't want to live with either one of you. Can you imagine going to divorce over door-to-door salesman and one's never been by? Isn't that crazy? One of the most asinine, stupid ideas I've ever heard in all my life. But that was, that was their big deal. Oh, God, help us. You can get some crazy things up here between your ears. 
And it can have to do with the work of God. And that's where the devil's attacking us at, saints. That's where the devil's attacking us at, brethren. Praise God. Let's rise up and take dominion today. Let's rise up and take control. Hallelujah. Let's tell the Lord, I'm not going to give in to that. Praise God. Praise God. That's where temptation originates. Trials, difficulties, all of this. That's where the temptation of Jesus was at. You realize that? When he was on the Mount of Temptation, you study Matthew chapter 4. Study it very closely. What did the devil do? He told him, said, you make these stones into bread. Jesus was hungry. Amen. You know where he was attacking him at? Was in his mind. He was telling him his, his reflexes, his body, his emotions. And it was not the deity of Christ that was tempted. It was the flesh. Amen. God cannot be tempted with evil. And He doesn't tempt you with evil. Remember, when you have a desire to do something wrong, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's not God. That's the devil. Amen. God doesn't tempt you with evil. He may allow the devil to try you and put you to the test, but He doesn't tempt you with evil. And God cannot be tempted with evil. It was the flesh of Jesus Christ that was tempted. And, and the devil said, make these stones bread. You know what he told him? Uh, that man would not live by bread alone. But then the Bible says that the devil took him to a pinnacle of the temple. Now, the devil didn't come down and just scoop Jesus up for the cardinal and take him over here to the city of Jerusalem and set him down physically on the top of the temple. But you know what he did? He took his mind. You know, you can go anywhere in your mind. Took his mind, took his spirit, took the internalness, the thoughts, over to the city of Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle, and said, cast yourself down. The angels will bear you up. Amen. Jesus rebuked him with the word. And then, you know what the devil did? All of a sudden, he come down, and again, he swooped him up, picked him up, and took him way over yonder on a high mountain. And with a great kaleidoscope and spectrum of, of just amazing beauty all at once, he just spread out the glory of the whole world right in front of his mind. Jesus hadn't moved a step. But he'd been over on the pinnacle of the temple. He's now on the top of a mountain, and he's seeing all the glories of the world. And the devil says, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the glory of all of this. Jesus rebuked him with the word. That's the way you can rebuke the thoughts that come to your mind. That's where the devil's going to hit you, friend. He's going to inject the idea. He's going to inject the thought. But thank God we're going to rise above it. We're not going to let the devil defeat us. We're not going to let the devil whip us. Thank God we're going to cast down imaginations. We're going to forget the things that are behind us. We're going to think on the good things. We're going to gird up the loins of our mind. We're going to put on the helmet of salvation. We're going to resist the devil. We're going to get renewed in the spirit of our mind we're going home with revival praise god praise god how many of you feel that way about it today praise god would you stand and praise the lord hallelujah 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 closing this morning let me say one final word to you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for coming each day. First of all, God bless you. Then let me say to you in parting today, let's go home and love one another. We don't have many days left together. Some of our men are getting old. I don't have a promise of tomorrow. You don't have a promise of tomorrow.
Let's ignore the little slights, the little differences of opinion, the little hurts, the little problems, the little disappointments that we have. Let's be faithful. Let's love one another. All too soon, we're going to look into each other's face as we leave this world. Let's, let's let it be a joyful parting. Let's let our lives be spent in peace, in the love of God, in the communion of the Holy Ghost. I appeal to you today in Jesus' name. Let's love Him. Let's put Him first in our lives. Don't let little old things or big old things separate you from the love of God. But let's stay true. God bless you. Go home. Strengthen the hands of one another and love one another in Jesus' name. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to live the way He wants me to live. I want to give until there's just no Amen. That's very beautiful. Very, very wonderful. Brother Kuhn has certainly reached the Lord for this camp meeting this week. And we appreciate it so very much. Let's sing another chorus before we go. Jesus, 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 I want to thank you for your grace. Well, I thank you for the love you've shown while hanging in my place you gave your life a ransom to save a wretch like me Jesus, Jesus Jesus you went to Calvary for me Jesus, Jesus Jesus I want to thank you for your grace oh thank you for the love you've shown 